Happy Palm Sunday. Good to see you. Big week in the church, so uh, now we're quiet on Wednesday. There is, there's, you want to come to confession, 4.30 to 6.30, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I think. Um, so we'll be there. Uh, you know, we have some new special antidotes for sin, so check it out. I mean, we've got, always got a new product. You've got to sell the next thing, right? So uh, don't worry. We'll take care of it for you. Then, uh, so we're quiet on Wednesday, no dinner on Wednesday, and then, but Thursday, full blast on Friday. And the vigil, uh, 7 on Saturday. And if you come to the vigil, I give you special dispensation to miss on Sunday, because we love you and the baby Jesus and his mother. So, um, you know, big week, bring your friends. Thanks for the music this morning, you musicers, that was very, very nice. So, and your kids, it was good too. All right, uh, let's pray, let's go. Lord God, Heavenly Father, who of your divine mercy spared not your only begotten Son, but gave him up to death on the cross for us. We beg you now, send your Holy Spirit into our hearts that we too may be comforted by this grace, be on guard against sin, and patiently bear what you send us to suffer. Through him, that we may live forever with you. Amen. All right, good to see you. Everybody okay? How's your final, how's your bracket working out? Larry Hoffman, you want to know why Larry Hoffman is an elder? Because he has seven of the last eight in his bracket. Anybody besides Larry got seven, got more than seven? Anybody got eight for eight? So Larry, you win the new car and the Yonker, as soon as you hear there's a car involved, you try to say that now you got it, right? What? Seven of eight? Eight of eight? Sorry, Larry. Uh, I mean, well, I think that's a question. I think there's a, I, that's the sort of thing the elders should be thinking about. Did your kid pick Notre Dame? Did you pick Notre Dame? I think that the, man, nothing, nothing changes. 500 years, nothing has changed. Wow, okay, well. I try and I try to get you to love each other, but it, it is what it is, right? Oh, man. Well, I hope you've had a happy Lent uh, in so many ways. Uh, my, 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 the, the wash, you know, what's washed back on me from your Lent has been uh, pretty positive. What's very interesting is it's a mark of maturity that you can absorb these things as a gift and a blessing. Um, there was a prayer, one of the prayers we said this morning said something about, oh, it was Luther's prayer at the end where he says, evil blocks our way. It was such an interesting prayer at the end of the bulletin day. Eve, an evil, protect us from the evil that blocks our way. Such an interesting thing. Uh, you know, and sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. It's been a fairly, I think, a fairly calm Lent. And most of you who I've talked to have embraced, you know, whatever discipline you've chosen in quite a good way. So, you know, another week and then you're released. I will tell you, um, over the past few years when we kind of started, a few, of the, a few people wrote me and said, now, you know, I'm going to continue my fast or I'm going to, um, you know, double up for a couple of weeks because that went so well. No, 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 no. Okay? So on Easter, it's all, it's all done, right? So you remember that there was an early council in the church, I don't know, 690, 960, 3420, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> There was an early council in the church that said it's an anathema. It's, that, that's Paul's words, Galatians um, uh, 1.8. It's anathema. It's a damnation. It's a horrible thing to be, to be, fasting, uh, to be fasting on a holy day. And, of course, the 50, the 50 days of Easter to Pentecost, we don't kneel in church. It's the holiest day. So it's all redeemed next Easter. You're done. If you had a fast, give it up. 
whatever you, you know, of course, unless you were fasting from something like robbing banks. Uh, you know, if you had a fast, you know, you get it up, everything comes back to you, and it's in great joy. And some, week, some years you have a, a good, a smooth Lenten fast. Some, some years it's just you find it very difficult. You go with what you got, okay? Uh, we got to throw money at something. Um, what? Who do you like? People's Resource Center. You can always give people food, so that's good. Put some money in the basket. People's Resource. Put a million dollars in there. It'll be great. If you put a million dollars in, we redirect to the building fund. Uh, <laughs> Galatians 6, okay? So I just, you know, this is, uh, this is the extra sheet, which we never did, but I was reading it this morning. You know, I continue to be, I'm, it's kind of interesting, all the stuff that's happening. But, I mean, you just sort of read the stuff. I saw a poll this week that the only, the only people that... Um, Americans hate more than Christians or atheists, so way to go. I mean, maybe we should have a, like a, maybe we should join together, I don't know, uh, to try to get the same PR guy or something. Uh, it was kind of interesting. Uh, but it is this, you know, it's the vitriolic stuff that you sort of read about, uh, about Christians around. I try not to get too exercised about that, but then uh, this week was going so well until Wednesday for Jesus, too. So, you know, you've got to be aware a little bit. Nevertheless, I maintain my early stance that um, Jesus' way is very much unlike our way. And our way is very quick to judgment and to be very hard on people both in the church and especially outside the church. And of course, people outside the church have, have absorbed that. And so they often think of Christians um, you know, as, as judgmental and kind of harsh people. We've got to get our mojo back in the sense that the Christians are the first ones on the scene actually to love other people. And you know, you love people. The lesson of the week is you love people even if it kills you, right? And that's the lesson of the week. So I was thinking about that, and then I'd given you this, I love this Galatians 6.10 thing, because it's a very, it's, it's just sort of a cleanup of Galatians. Galatians has this great thing about Jesus gets it all done, he gives it to you as a gift. And then, uh, in, and Lutherans often sort of miss the last chapter of Galatians, especially Galatians 6.10, where it says, do some good. Come on, let's go, let's do some good. So I just want to, I just, I just muse about this. The only thing I wanted to do about this was just kind of look through it and just say to you, I've said to you that Jesus looks at, 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 at people in a particular way, which is basically Jesus comes near to them. He's not, he doesn't give offense. He doesn't take offense. He's not off, but Jesus comes near to them. He stays with them. He's very kind to them. He's present. He listens to them, right? Then maybe he slips a question in, and he might tell a story. And the only people that Jesus is sort of tough with is people who sort of are really tough on him, but it takes a long time to get to him. You can read Galatians, and, and wouldn't it be that, that it, isn't that then how the church should look? And so here's Paul who could, you know, I mean, Paul was, you know, he could be a bit acerbic at times, but look at how he talks about, you know, brothers. It's just, this is like code word for, hey, everybody in church, if you've got any sinners around, and, you know, we've been known to have a sinner or two in our midst. I mean, don't raise your hands, but... I mean, we have permanent files on most of you. So if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual. Now think about what that means, okay? So the contrast is people who are sinners and not sinners. It's not that everybody's not a sinner, but, you know, you had a good Lent and somebody else had a bad Lent, right? So if you can do some good for somebody else, here's what you do. You should restore him, and look what he says, with a spirit of gentleness. So the key thing is to come to people in holiness with gentleness. It's just, it can be simpler, right? Now, how do you talk to your kids? How do you talk to their friends? How do you talk to your spouse? How do you talk to your family? How do you talk to the people here? How do you, when things go horribly wrong, you know, the reaction is, because it's easy. It's easy to judge. It comes naturally. And the law is so efficient. Uh, you know, it just is it's just clear cut who the bad guys are and who the good guys are, unless, of course, you listen to Jesus and then things are... 
kind of interesting because as Jesus says, I came not to uh, save the righteous but the sinner. So your demographic is ick, right? So if anybody's caught in transgressions, you who are spiritual should restore them in gentleness. And watch yourself so you're not tempted too. And that answers another question that early on somebody asked. So I spent all last year telling you don't touch evil things. Touch holy things, don't touch evil things. Touch holy things, don't touch evil things. <coughs> to touch evil things is to pollute yourself. Okay? Kind of basic stuff. Now, of course, then we, then we, moved, the, we, 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 moved, <laughs> we moved the sticks this year. And we started to talk about what about when people are evil? Hmm. And now Jesus is with evil people. Well, here's the thing. It's a little like, you know, if you're treating Ebola, there's a couple of ways you can go about it. Some we found did not work very well. But others, you know, if you're careful, the compassionate thing is to be the guy who sticks around and does the work, okay? But you've got to be careful. So you should be kind. You should be careful. doesn't mean you shouldn't be present, shouldn't listen, shouldn't tell a story, shouldn't ask a question, shouldn't love people. It just means as you go, you've got, you got to be careful, right? Okay? Bear one, another, bear one another's burdens, fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is love. One word fulfills the law of Christ. A single word fulfills the law in the gospel. To love. Perfect love casts out all fear. We did that last week, or last time. Right? So, bear. It's going to take a little bit of work for you. Bear. If you think you're something, when you're nothing, you know. So don't be too quick to be a leader. Don't be too quick to jump in, right? Don't be too quick to solve everything for somebody else. Your grandma used to say, sweep in front of your own door first, right? So say your prayers. Make your tithe. Go to the Eucharist. Get your sins forgiven. Before you, be careful before you engage somebody else, right? So tend yourself and then try to help other people. But tend yourself and then help other people, okay? Test your own work. Then your, thing, your reason to boast is in yourself alone, not in your neighbor. So you don't compare yourself to somebody else. And this is, we do this all the time. Um, I've got more money than these people, but not as much as these people, so I'm better than these people, not as good as these people. Or, you know, uh, you know I'm, I'm smarter than these people, but not as smart as these people. Just pick something, okay? Right? No, 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 no. Each one of you is a singular unit. There's only one like you in the whole world. There's one like you in the whole universe. And the question is, what is it that you do with the singular gifts that God has given you? You're an individual. There's only one like you. This is why it's so important to talk about other people. Heaven's a poorer place when everybody's not gathered home. So there's one person like you and the only person to, I can't imagine, we're going for mood. <laughs> that a boy. That's right. Okay, that was enough emotion, okay? Uh, let's, just, let's get back to the heavy, heavy lifting of thinking, okay? Um, bear your own load. You know, share all good things with the one who teaches. Don't be deceived. God's not, hey, look at that. Christ is going to square it up. That's what we talked about at the end of anger last time. The reason you don't need to be angry, it's a wasted emotion and wasted time, is that in the end, God's not mocked. He's going to square it all up. I mean, what else is the crucifixion and the resurrection, but God is not mocked and he's going to square it all up. You're all okay. It's going to be fine. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. You reap what you sow. True for Jesus, true for you, right? So, I mean, you ask yourself, I mean, see, you see how this is so, it's just so interesting. If you engage people harshly, if you engage people with judgment, if you engage people by comparison, if you engage people by exclusion, what happens? Well, you reap what you sow. What's the return on that? The return in that is people don't want to be around you. It's very, different to have a, it's very difficult to have a community when people don't want to be around you. On the other hand, if people know that you love them no matter what, and you know, it's, it's so blasted important. You know, America, 
You know, I can remember, do you remember Tip O'Neill? You remember Tip O'Neill in the old days? Yeah, you older, that's how old you are. <laughs> Today, you know, in honor of Palm Sunday and Tip O'Neill, go home and have a martini in honor of Tipster. Because here's the thing, Democrat or Republican, at the end of the day, Tip O'Neill was the last speaker, really, when at the end of the day, when people sort of went hard at each other, Republicans and Democrats went and had a, had a drink together. And it's been in my lifetime that things have gone like this. And not only do you have to disagree with the other side, you have to hate the other side, right? Here's a, here's a really interesting thing. You, you really have to just hold this, you have to hold on to this. Because you love somebody doesn't mean you agree with everything they do. You can love people and you don't agree with everything you do. You can, you can, you can accept them without approving all that they do. You can really love people that you disagree with. And of course, the other side of that coin is, if you disagree with people, you don't have to hate them. But somehow, the message of Christianity has gotten mixed up with that message, which is a very secular message, that I love my friends and I hate my enemies. That is not Jesus. The church is that I love people without regard for what they've done or who they are. And I love them in a way, and of course the most honest way to love somebody eventually is to be true with them. But truth takes a long time because it's very potent. And usually people have to have it in small doses. And the easiest first dose is to treat them like a human being, right? And not to treat them as, as if they're subhuman or some deviant species. We're going to see that in, the, in what we're going to do a little bit later. It's very interesting. The story for today is the story of the guy who thinks he's everything and the guy who thinks he's nothing. It's a dangerous thing because when you think other people are nothing, when you put yourself in that place of power, when you judge them, you'll do anything to people. And the world is proof of that. When you start to think of other people as less than human, you will do anything to them, right? So, you know, there you can, that runs for everything from being a drug dealer to prostitution to slavery to terrorism. It's all on the same continuum, right? If you somehow, Jesus never thinks that way. He never thinks that way. He's always with people. He's always present to them. He's always for them and not against them. And he'll only be your enemy if you make him be your enemy. And you have to go a long way to make him be your enemy, right? So this is what the... And people know this about you. And they know it about me. And you can, you can smell it in people in the first five minutes that you meet them. Okay? But it's studied. It takes practice. It takes repentance. It takes forgiveness. It takes, verse 10, doing some good. Okay? So, uh, bear your own load. Let one who's taught share in good things with these teachers. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. The one who sows his own flesh, here it is. Touch evil things, and you'll get evil. Sow corruption, you get corruption. Sow holiness, sow the Holy Spirit. And from the Spirit you reap. Okay, eternal life and everything in advance of that. Don't get tired of doing good. This is, great. This is just great. Like, you know, you get tired of doing good. Because what do you think? Because you stop doing what he said earlier and just think about yourself. And you start to think about whether you're doing good is doing any good. Right? So you think my doing good isn't doing any good. So what do you do? You stop doing good. The, the Greek translation of this is, you knucklehead. Okay? That's what this says. You can check me later online. It's true. It's like, don't, you know, don't, don't get tired of doing good stuff. Right? Don't get weary of doing good. Right? Hey, for in due season we reap if we don't give up. You do good no matter what anybody else is doing. You do good. You do good. You love no matter what anybody else is doing. You love, right? Okay. So as we have opportunity, and you have tons of opportunities, Jesus' life is one long opportunity. I mean, why does he take flesh and blood from the Blessed Virgin Mother? 
It's opportunity. Right? It's the opportunity to affirm you. He's one like you. It's the opportunity to spend time with you, to eat, to drink, to laugh and cry, to do all the things that you think are important. It's opportunity, right? To come near, to be quiet, to listen, to ask a question, to maybe bump and nudge, right? So as we have opportunity to do good to everyone, especially those who are the household, it should have said, of the household of faith. Sorry, I got clipped at the end there. All right, you good? So this is everywhere. I mean, I just, you know, I know you maybe didn't grow up with it. I know maybe you're, I mean, I know maybe people think differently. I know that people think that, we, you know, you sell the farm when you do this. But this is, I tell you what, just pay attention this week. If you don't think this is Jesus, just pay attention this week. And he opened not his mouth. And he didn't come down from the cross. If you're the Son of God, come down from the cross. Right? All the things that should have happened. Um, and then the genius of the weekend, of the triduum, where Jesus rests and then is vindicated. What? For doing good. Right? That's, that's the whole point. The whole point is there actually was somebody, a second Adam, who could do some good. So, I mean, he just sort of fulfilled. It's almost like a job description, and Jesus does it. Okay, you good? Questions about anything? Feeling good still? All right, let's go to the hippie translation, right at the end of what I've given you today, okay? I, I got full confidence that some confirmation pastor somewhere made you read the real translation. So we'll um, read the translation of a frustrated guy who was a pastor his whole life. So this is Eugene Peterson's translation. It's not great every place, but it gives you the point. So the, la- the very last page, Luke 18. You got a tax man, you got yourself a Pharisee. Happy tax season. And by the way, I tell you, I, I went through and read my stuff again last night. I have so many, I had to do this quickly because I was off to that funeral and I, I got about 10 typos, which I try never to have a typo because I find it kind of disrespectful of you if I bring, but I mean, I'm so screwed up in like, especially verses because I was going from memory and I just remembered that this was at the beginning of the chapter and not verse nine. So you got to add eight to everything I did, but that's okay. He told this story to some who were complacently pleased with themselves. Hey, we're in, you're not. Some people who thought they had it all going on and there was nothing left to do. He told this to churches that thought that everything was okay just the way it was and th- they thought they should stand pat, right? He told it to people who were pleased with themselves over their own moral performance and they looked down their noses at common people because as you know, we are uncommon people. Yes, we are. Well, how are we uncommon? Well, we're better than everybody else. I think this is really clear. Lutheran Church, Missouri Valley Conference, or whatever we're playing, right? Yeah, we're just, you know, we're better than everybody else. See, this is, you see how close to home this can be. So here's a story Jesus tells to you if you think, you know, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, one a tax man. Now, here's the thing, when he talks this way, a Pharisee is a respected individual. People didn't have the revulsion necessarily that we do. We know the story. We've heard it for 2,000 years. So we get a little bit bent when we hear Pharisee. But for them, Pharisee is like chamber of commerce, successful businessman, goes to church, makes a tithe, gets his suits at Brooks Brothers, wears a plain rep tie even when styles change. I mean, this guy is a reliable guy, okay? This is what you're working with here. The Pharisee posed. That's great, man. Posed, right? The thing about this is, is I've seen this in so many churches. God save us that we're not like other people. So here's the thing. You've seen this in so many churches where what happens in a church is really not for you. It's for somebody else. I mean, my greatest, well, no, I, so I just keep going. Pharisees <laughs> pose and they prayed like this. Oh, God, I thank you. So there's always something to be thankful for that I'm not like that other guy. 
robbers, crooks, adulterers, or heaven forbid, like the tax man, right? Raise your hand if you do taxes for a living. <laughs> hey, even that can be forgiven. Okay, so um, now, really interesting. I fast twice. I fast twice a week, and I tithe on all my income. Here's the thing, man. I would like to have some members like this. Uh, so I hope if we get a rash of people like this, and they start tithing and fasting, you just go with them until you love them, but don't discourage them, okay? So, <laughs> Meanwhile, the tax man slumped in the shadows. It's not a literal translation, but it's just, it's, usually it's a far off is how it's translated. So it's a very interesting thing. We'll talk about this in a minute about where they are, but basically they're in church. This is public prayer. It's morning and evening sacrifice. People would go up and bring their, they'd come to say thanks. They'd watch the atonement. So there'd be a sacrifice morning and evening. And they'd, then they'd say their prayers. And, and it's proximity. You know, you get close to the altar and you're in on the action. And these are my friends and I'm getting some of this too. Right? So you have this very interesting thing. But what's so interesting about just the initial thing is they're both outside the community. The tax guy's standing all by himself. It's so interesting. This is so interesting. He's as far away as the other guy is. So, you know, here's, here's, here's one for slumping in the shadows. So the guy's hands in his face, right? Facing his hands, not daring to look up. God, give mercy, forgive me, for I'm a sinner. This is really important because that's a bad translation. And this is really important. This is actually true. This is actually a, a, the translation here. He says, God, atone for me. It's not just that God forgive me, right? But the, but the literal translation there is, God, you make an atonement for me. That is like pure, best stuff. I can't do anything. I'm a wreck. God, atone for me. God, the only way this is going to get done is if you do this, right? That's why you go to the Eucharist, because the touch of a holy thing makes you holy, utterly holy. This is why you get baptized, because everything gets drowned in the font, right? This is why you go to absolution, because you leave your sins at the altar, and the Lord takes them away to places where you'll never see him again. God, make an atonement for me. It was clear to people that what was happening was that God himself was making a sacrifice on the altar. And it really is a this for that. I was thinking this morning during the service how far we are away from the notion of theological atonement. And yet we embrace it in many, many ways in our own lives. We send soldiers to war. We don't go ourselves. That's, a, that's an atonement in some place. You send somebody to die in your place so you don't have to die, right? There are common atonements all around them. We don't like it because we like to think of ourselves as pretty self-sufficient and I can get it done myself and that's pretty brutal. Let me just tell you, it's been a brutal last week. Read the flippin' news, right? So for all the people who suggest that we're very, very sophisticated, here's the problem with the Enlightenment and the modern world. The sophisticated project did not turn out to be very elegant or successful, right? You, it's only when you throw yourself on the mercy of God himself that everything is going to work out. The history of the last 300 years where God was eliminated, these are our problems, these are not God's problems, these are our problems, we'll fix our own problems. In fact, since they're not God's problems, God doesn't even need to exist. The history of the last 300 years, 400 years-ish, however you want to measure your time, Guess what? It didn't work. More terrorism, more martyrs, more killing, and more sophisticated ways to do it. More pollution, more hate. We're tribal again. The whole world is tribal. This is not in any way united. 
right? Just read the paper. So the modern project has failed. Integral to the, to the non-modern project is we can't get it done. God needs to make atonement for us, right? It may seem rather unsophisticated until we do it ourselves and then we understand, right? So Jesus said, um, the tax man, not the other one, went home. This is great passive verb. Pass, whenever you get a passive verb, you know it's working out. Made right with God, which is God makes you right. So you come this morning, you kneel down, you say, I'm a flipping wreck. Great sermon. Palm Sunday is a wreck. You're a wreck. Jesus fixes up Palm Sunday and Holy Week. Jesus will fix you too. It's a bit of genius because it's, you can, it's like 10 words and you can remember it. That's the trick, right? If you walk around with your nose up in the air, you end up flat on your face. A little too colloquial, but you get the point of it. But if you're content to be simply yourself, now that has to mean simply yourself, which is damn sinner and recovering damn sinner, right? Paul, murderer and, you know, forgiven murderer, recovering murderer, right? Galatians, he can write that. If you're content to be simply yourself, you'll become more than yourself. That's a little bit uh, esalen and... But then, of course, their retreat center, you can see the Pacific Ocean, so we have to take a little bit of it. I'll go there someday and bring you pictures. Okay, so now back to one. Um, like Jesus, this is what we're after. So I've kind of given you this, right? You come near, you stay close, you love dearly. And I just observed to you that this is the Emmaus story. So I think we'll hear Emmaus one time in this weekend, uh, John 20, where Jesus comes to them and stays with them. He's kind to them. He asks them a question. He tells them this brilliant story, which happens to be the story of the Law, the Prophets, and the Eucharist. Then he disappears from their sight. I mean, what we're trying to talk about is, it's not just, you know, for you who are at the level of the intellect, read Paul. From you who are at the level of the heart, read the Emmaus story. It's the same story. So I just, I just want to say this again at the end. I said this at the end last week, and I probably have to be maybe a little more explicit about this. There are here, people here, it's the minority of people here, who base their, um, you know, primarily base their life on intellectual activity, on seeing and knowing. These are the descendants of Spock. Right? Got it? Live long and prosper, you intellectual types, okay? There's very few people like this. Most people make, you know, make their decisions at the level of uh, show choir, or musical, emotions, right? That is a great idea, Kirby. Kirby. If we go to marriage counseling, I'm going to go do this, and Kirby's going to break into song. Gotta dance. Who knew? Uh, you know, there are people who make their, they, you know, there are other people who make, but everybody chooses at some point. The great thing is, so it doesn't, and here's the thing, it doesn't matter if your heart goes first or your head goes first, as long as everybody ends up in the same spot. That's the key. So people, we all process differently. The point is to choose holiness, to do good, choose holiness, not to choose unholiness, right? It's the Emmaus story. So present, kind, listening, asking a question, telling a story. Um, The opposite of this, really honestly, is to have ins and outs, which is, of course, what Jesus is exactly, I mean, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Everybody's in, nobody's out. Everybody's in, nobody's out. There's nobody that Jesus didn't die for. There's nobody Jesus didn't come for. Everybody's in, nobody's out. It's not your decision to make. So until you hear further, everybody is in and nobody's out. Now here's the problem. You can't see hearts. 
So if you ever judge anybody out, I've never known a person, I've never said publicly, this person has gone straight to hell. I have some people who have given me some indications. <laughs> but these are best said, you know, over three sherries in the privacy of your own home. You know, this is not, you can't read hearts. So if you ever say of somebody they're lost, they're going straight to hell. I mean, I just don't care. It's like when Kirby and I were in, so my wife is a stalker by nature. Now, see, the thing is, is would you say you're more confrontational than I am? I think so, too. People would look and they would think, who's warm and fuzzy? That's Kirby. No, no, I'm the one running the other way. So last time we were in San Francisco, we were just walking because we were walking. to do, We were going somewhere. I don't know. I think we were walking. I couldn't even remember. We were meeting somebody, one of the kids. I don't know. Across the street. Help me out here. There's a guy dressed as a nun. Did he have white face on too? Smoking a cigarette, and he's in full habit. Okay, so now when I see that, right, what do I want to do? You know me. What do I want to do? I want to run the other way. What does Kirby want to do? Like gets her phone out, and she's like, if we get in front of this guy, I think we can. I mean, I just, I, you know. I, she's more pure-hearted than I am. Apparently, she thought she would be near to him and listen and ask a question, apparently. Like, what's your order? I mean, or something like that. It was great because they had a rosary in one hand and he's smoking a cigarette in the other. That was the, that was the most interesting part. Is, so uh, it is pretty cool in some ways. Maybe you could go with my wife next time, okay? Now, the problem is if you make any judgment about that, it's utterly subjective. It's just utterly subjective because you can't see people's hearts. So I just say to you, reserve all judgment. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean that you don't have any standards. It means you can love people even though you may find out after an hour or two that you disagree with them. But the reflex to hate, to exclude, to have in and outs, it's just there so, so easily. It's there in the church. It's there outside the church. You have to rebel against that. That is all about self-love because it's about self-preservation. Right? Jesus has very little interest in self-preservation, as you're going to find out Friday. So he has a lot of interest in love. A lot of interest in loving other people. I just, here's the thing. Just suspend, your, just suspend your judgment. If you get to the point someday where you have to, you're forced to, you must. So if you become a bishop, then God bless you, you know. I would say your prayers that even you too can be saved. But otherwise, you know, you should just bump along like the baby Jesus. So Because he does want everybody. And this is the point number kind of two and a half. I turned the page. Pride is the sense of elevation. And every sin comes from pride. And once you're proud, you will do anything. It's just how far your pride goes. You know, once you're proud, it doesn't stop. Right? Because other people then become, you know, lessers who are at our disposal, which is just the worst possible thing. So, self-righteousness, this is point three, is the death of a winsome witness. Right? Now, the thing is, is this is an honorable question. You know, how do I get to be righteous? How do I get to be good? How do I get to be saved? How do I get to be holy? How do I make my life better? How do I live in the image of Jesus? How do I come home to paradise? These are all variations on a theme. They're all very good questions. To do it yourself is a horrible, horrible answer. This is the single, you know, if you want to be proud about being something and being Lutheran, if you want to be proud about being Lutheran, this is the single question of the Reformation. Had this question been solved, there would have been no Reformation. Everybody would have pushed and pulled. It had been kind of, you know, been one long taffy pull for a couple hundred years. But it all would have worked out under a big tent. The single thing, the single question of the Reformation is this. Do you, does Jesus do it all and give it to you as a gift? So does Jesus make atonement for you and make you holy by giving you that as a gift? 
Or do you and Jesus work it out together? You do a little something, then he finishes up. Or he does a little bit, and then you do the rest. And at the end of the day, it's something that you better get. See, the single thing is whether you can do it yourself or not. And that's the sing- if you get that right, everything else will be okay. Because it breaks you at exactly the pride point. I can't save myself. I need to be saved. You know, I can't, I can't make myself alive, but I can be resurrected. It's a glorious thing. Dead people can be resurrected. They can't resurrect themselves. And sinners can be forgiven, but they can't forgive themselves. At least not until they have divine forgiveness at their disposal. So, um, I'm at point four then. Before he uses us to draw others, Jesus cures us gently. And I would take, you know, every story we've talked about, if you could please make it your story. Because Jesus, in the first analysis, is never talking to somebody else. Jesus is talking to you. And he's talking to me. In the first analysis, the story, you know, it is a story about a tax collector and a sinner. It's a story for people who are there. But the honest to God truth is, the reason that, there, that the, the Viva Vox still exists, the reason there's still a Bible, is because he wants to talk to you about it. And you should think about it as your story rather than anybody else's. So this one is for folks, quote, who consider themselves righteous and despised others, Right? So that's a dangerous, dangerous thing. I'm turning the page. So here's just what I gave you about being subjective. Uh, just a little. They were going up, verse 9. Uh, in Israel, you always go up. It doesn't matter if you're on a mountain above the temple, above Jerusalem. You still go up to Jerusalem. Why? Because the altar in the temple is the center of the universe. Right? So it's a respectful thing. You always go up to Jerusalem. That's why they're going up. They go up to the temple. You go up to Jerusalem. Even if you were walking downhill, you'd still be going up to Jerusalem. You'd be going up to the temple, okay? Because the temple is everything. And that, then, you see, is uh, objective. If you want an objective word, then, you know, you find God, and he'll give you one. Now, just a little aside for people who live in Wheaton. This looks to us as if it's um, people just going up and saying their prayers. One of the greatest pushbacks I had early, but not rarely anymore, was the whole notion of how private prayer was and kind of the, you know, what prayer consisted of. And that was uh, kind, of, kind of an American evangelical thing, which isn't really true. Most prayer, especially in the Middle East, the, the, the world of prayer has been primarily you know, communal activity. We pray together. And so um, you know, we read the text and we're like, yeah, they had a little kink in their hose, and so they thought they'd run up and just like drop a quick one off to the Heavenly Father on the way home, you know, before they had a scotch and soda. That's not exactly what's going on here. It seems to be, if you sort of take all the pieces together, it seems to be one of the two daily prayer times. So at 9 and 3, the same thing would play out. Later on, I give you a full page <coughs> describing it. I'm not going to read it to you. You can read it later. But it tells you exactly what happens, which is basically boils down to people gather at the altar, the priest sacrifices a lamb for them. So basically, sacrifice works like this. A lot of damn sinners in this room. Whole lot of sinners here tonight. You, uh, okay, you should... Richard Pryor, someday. Okay, uh, never mind, another day. All right. Oh, you remember. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, I know. So everyone, never mind. Okay, so you got a room full of sinners. What do you do with them, Right? I mean, somebody's got to, here's the thing, you've got to kill somebody. Any volunteers? Having no volunteers, then the lamb loses again today. So um, at nine and then at three, you know, they kill the lamb, they burn the incense. I was thinking today, Kate Nelson with the incense, he's going to put out somebody's eye. 
I mean, I'm not that brave. It was, it was, I mean, were you there this morning? I was like, keep going, man, because, see, here's the thing. When somebody else screws up, it runs so much cover for you, right? I'm like, if that gets loose and hits somebody in the front row, I'll just, the next time I do this, my sort of petite, sophisticated, in the way of the Pope, uh, then people will just say, well, at least he's being safe. I was just like, it makes me happy when I see him do it. I, I love that guy. It just makes me, it makes me happy. When I'm just like, because you remember we read this story. I think it might have been in the morning a few months ago. We read this story about the Israelites are at war as they're often at war and got things going on. And they, what do they do? They call the priest and he brings the incense and he cuts, he cuts a line with the smoke. And like all the bad guys drop dead when they touch the smoke. And it's sort of like this. It's this and, I, and all I could think of this morning when, when he was doing that is, thank God you're protecting every last one of us from everything that's evil. It's like, you put the fence up because we got a lot of trouble and we need to be protected from it. That's exactly what the incense does. In the, I mean, it's there. It puts a fence up and protects you. Why do you do it? It's good for you, right? It's so nice. So basically, you know, somebody's got to die. And um, so here he comes. They, he burns the incense and he makes the sacrifice. And you could then come, and it was uh, good if you came, and even duty to come, and say your prayers. Now, your prayers primarily, if you were a good Jew, your prayers consisted of two things. Your prayers were to say a lot about God, Right? And our prayers do this too. We mimic this in our prayers. Our prayers, the colics, they usually start, Oh Lord, you, ta 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 ta. Or when we pray the names, we pray the name, Oh great physician. The reason we're saying that is because in your head you should be saying to yourself, Oh great physician, you're the one who heals everybody. Or, um, you know, or Lord of life, protect our people who are near death. Or God of Abraham and Sarah, watch over our people who are traveling too. We don't always say it explicitly, but you're smart enough to kind of figure out from the name what it is that you want. Well, I mean, that's exactly what's happening here. You come up to the atonement, and so, you know, what you say in your prayers is, I'm really thankful, oh Lord, you, I'm really thankful you atone for me, you save me, you love me, you keep me within the people of Israel, you bless me. You give this long list of things that the Lord has done for you. And if you want then, when you get toward the end, if you haven't sort of reminded yourself that the Lord is for you and not against you, you can tack on a couple of things. And by the way, I'm having surgery on my big toe. I mean, you can tack that on at the end, but a normal prayer is a lot about Jesus, right? And all the good that he's done. What does that do to you? It relativizes your problems. It reminds you that God's in control. It brings to memory all the ways that God has helped you in the past. It, 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 it sort of invigorates the expectation that God will take care of you in the future. So you do all these things. And what happens is you have this general like, Bob Marley, everything's going to be all right. right? Just checking the demographic. Okay, so... Um, it's all going to be all right. You know, Bob Marley died orthodox. He was buried. I mean, you know, I know you don't like him because of the big spliff and the Rastafari. He died. He died. You can, watch his, you can watch Bob Marley's funeral on Internet, man. It's the orthodox priest. You watch it someday. Rasta Bob. You'll see him in heaven. It's going to be great. All right? So it's another thing to look forward to. I mean, hey, you thought, and you thought heaven was going to be a drag. No way, man. This is going to be great. There are people you're going to want to meet. So, uh, all right. So, I mean, he goes up there. Yes, okay. Well, we, I'll, I'll, I'll do, if next time the vicar's gone, I'll do a little riggy warm-up for the joy group, okay? <laughs> I'm with you. Speaking of people who are high, did you see Tom Brady jump off that cliff? Have you seen that? Yeah, I'm never going on vacation with him. Even if Giselle asks us, we're not going, Kirby. Because <laughs> that is not, I'm not interested in that at all. 
So, I mean, here's the thing. This Pharisee comes, and you can often tell. This is the last thing I'm going to do, and then we'll have to do something after. So we're not meeting next week because it's Easter. Go home and hunt eggs. Um, <laughs> I love Kirby's mom. You know what she, a few years ago, you know what she did instead of putting out eggs? Money. <laughs> I'm like, talk about Easter. I mean, hey, no, you don't get any dye in your hands, and later on the way home, popcorn shop. It's great. Okay, so... <laughs> You, can, you betray yourself, and sometimes you, you can hear this in how people pray, especially if you let them go. I mean, people just tell you what's going on with them when they start to pray. They, you, they tell you about their presuppositions, they tell you about their expectations, they tell you what's most important about them. What's interesting about this is this guy goes way over the top for all that, and what he starts to do is give a lecture. And often people prayed out loud. So this is the other thing. It's praying in community, and it's praying out loud. You remember St. Ambrose, so Bishop of Milan, died in the 4th century, People used to sneak in and watch him pray, and they were stunned because they saw Ambrose's lips move, but no sound came out. And that was a new thing. The suggestion that you would pray silently was a new thing. So early church stuff, wouldn't this be fun? We should play, wouldn't this be fun here? Uh, one of the things they do, can you imagine everybody just praying out loud all the stuff they really, really need? Because frankly, you'd learn something about the people sitting around you. And the other thing is, is that I heard this, I was just, I, somebody went to Africa, and they were thrown by this in the liturgy. You know, because we always talk about, we always have this difference between you confess your sins privately and you think you say all the stuff that really bothers you. And then we have this kind of more generic, you know, it gets to the heart of things. Everything I do is a sinful and I'm, a, I'm an idiot. You know, we kneel down and we say that. However, you know, in the, there, somebody came back and they said, you know, at the, at the point of the African church, like the early church, they sort of mixed it together. Everybody started saying all the things that really bothered them out loud. So, like, try to keep your focus while the person next to you is saying, and then I slept with the next-door neighbor, and I stole his cow, and then I, you know, and you're like, I mean, how do you keep your focus? Well, I mean, and that's what's happening here. The guy is like, he's giving a little exposition about the way of the world. Well, you know, this is not going to go well, but you'll have to come back the week after Easter to find out how the story ends. I love you. Busy week. Come every time you can. Holy things. Touch holy things. All right, here we go. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. All right, cheers. See you.